Well, hello, CMYK community, and welcome to another CMYK Talk podcast. My name is Matt, and as you may know, we are in the midst of a series of talks entitled Capitalism, A Story of Love and or Hate. And this week's a little bit different because rather than choosing to just simply do what this podcast typically is, me kind of communicating some things out of scripture, wrestling through them and inviting you to wrestle through and have conversations around them, I thought it would be good to invite another voice to the table and allow them to kind of feed back on what this series and some of these concepts and ideas could mean potentially for their life as well. A different perspective coming from a different place and a different story. So what we decided to do is just record our evening gathering. As many of you know, we have two Sunday gatherings every week, one at 10.30 a.m. and one at 6 p.m. And this is that recording of the evening gathering. So our hope is that you would hear kind of two perspectives, two different thoughts, kind of a little bit of a back and forth in some ways, and that you would simply in the midst of this be invited into that wrestling match with us, that wherever you are on this concept, that you're kind of working to do the same thing, and that is to find the most beautiful way forward with who you are, your stuff, the things around you, your interaction with the divine, all of that. So we're going to get right to that. But before we do that, I want to say that I hope you're doing well. I hope this podcast finds you well and that you are finding this conversation and these topics to be helpful for your life. I love you. I hope to see you very soon. Without further ado, here is our evening gathering. Hey, so as many of you know, we're in the midst of a series um, in simply entitled Capitalism, A Story of Love and or Hate. And uh, for many of you, I think you know this, but this is actually the third week within this series. And so uh, there's, there's kind of two weeks that I think honestly are a uh, a significant portion uh, that lean into kind of some of the things that we're talking about tonight. Because for me, this series is about not just saying, okay, this is what you should do or should not do, but actually wrestling through this concept and this topic of capitalism to figure out what is the most beautiful and the best way forward. And so in the midst of that, uh, a part of the leading up to this series has been me having conversations with individuals that I think are smarter uh, and, and just go about life in a lot better ways than I do, um, and having conversations around this topic of capitalism and asking them to speak into uh, what this was going to look like for us as a community. And so for me, honestly, where I am in this wrestling match is I see a lot of beautiful invitations in Scripture in the teachings of Christ that I'm, I'm wanting to lean into that more and more and figure that out. And uh, not to throw him under the bus, but just to why he's here, this man who's a part of our leadership team and has a... It's a great intro, by the yeah, way. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, this guy over here... Uh, he actually would find himself on the different end of the spectrum. And so this wrestling match of capitalism is actually something that he would lean heavier on that scale of capitalism and would see it as a, as a beautiful way forward. And I think that voice matters and should be a part of this. So we're going to talk about some things tonight. But would everybody say good evening and welcome to Andrew Lindley. Hey, everybody. So, uh, Mr. Lindley, uh, as we've been talking about this, this idea of capitalism uh, is something that you actually love. Tell us about that. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I do. In the, in the a story of love and or hate, I definitely fall on the love side. If I have to choose one, yeah. I fall on the love side. Um, it's a bit of a tumultuous Sorry, that's your beer. I'll take side. this one. <laughs> this one's mine. <laughs> that's perfect. How was I'm gonna it? I'm going to drink all the, the alcohol around. Where is it? <laughs> oh, man. That's beautiful. 
I'm sorry. That's fine. Here, I'm going to set mine here. Okay. Nope, that's not. That's, that's okay. You're going to have a lot of communion bread right. in that cup. Yep. All right. Okay. It's okay. So, yeah, so, so capitalism for me. Um, so, yeah, I, th- to, I guess to go back to how it started for me was, was really um, when I entered into the, the business world, so to speak, um, which was at a young age. So some people in here know I have a 21-year-old son um, who is a great kid, guy, man, weird. Um, anyway... So I have a 21-year-old. He was born when I was 18. Um, and so I didn't, I, I just got, I had to go to work. I had to go to work and support a family. So, you know, my first really glorious jobs that I had, I worked as a cook at Perkins. Um, I can make an awesome omelet, by the way. Um, I worked underground at Stillwater Mine for two years. So that was fun. Uh, drove train underground. Um, so that, it was a lot, it was a lot of uh, interesting things there. I worked at Computer Renaissance. Does anybody in here remember Computer Renaissance? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Bunch of nerds. Yeah, we were, it was great selling used computers mm-hmm. for like two grand, which was great. <laughs> Windows 98. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, and I worked there with Kirk Porter. So some of you know Kirk, and Kirk and I worked there together, and um, so that was great. Uh, and then, you know, I went back to college, um, thinking I needed to get back into, I needed to, to, to do that because that was the thing to do. After a semester of college on a summer break, I got a job in, with a tech company here in town and started learning how to, uh, or got into, because that was one of the things I did, teaching technology classes. Um, enjoyed it, did well at it. And in 99, um, decided to leave Billings because I thought Billings was dumb at the time. I grew up here, so I'm like, Billings is dumb. I got to get the heck out of here. Um, and, and applied for jobs all over the place. Took one in Portland, Oregon. Uh, and love Portland, by the way. I've got the Portland Trailblazers truck outside, if anybody cares or likes the NBA. Um, so anyway, went out to Portland. And you know, at 21, I was 21. I felt like I was 50 at the time, but I was 21 years old. Moved to Portland. And, um, and, you know, at 21, went out there for a job that I was making about 60 grand a year um, in the late 90s. So I thought I was a millionaire at that point. Um, I wasn't. I spent money like I was. Um, but, it, you know, it was, it was fun, and I enjoyed being out there. And for me, so capitalism in that sense was taking the risk to apply for a job that I thought I wasn't really qualified for. And then I got it, and I went... And, and the job, that, the teaching job that I had, it was teaching um, internal IT departments for big companies out in the Northwest, so like Intel, Nike. So I'm 21, I look like I'm about 18. Get up in front of a room with 10, 15 people that are in their 30s, 40s that have been working in technology for a long time, and I get up because I'm gonna teach them something. So uh, it, was a, it was a quick study in humility sometimes. But so anyway, so in doing that, <clears throat> putting myself out there, doing well at it, you know, I was rewarded financially for sure. And did that for um, about six years, give or take, got promoted within that company. Um, by the time I was about 23, 24, I was managing about 10, 15 people doing that and enjoyed it. But then uh, I decided I needed to come back to, Mo- to Montana, to Billings, mainly because uh, family issues. I'd gotten divorced from my my son's uh, mom, needed to come, wanted to come back home, needed to come back home, frankly. So Anyway, came back, um, took a pay cut to come back, went to work for a company here, EBMS, if anybody knows EBMS. So went to work for them um, as just the, the network guy. 
Um, let me fix your mouse or your keyboard or whatever it was. I thought, well, it's fine. I'll take a step back. Within a year, um, the manager of the department position opened up. I applied for it, and I got it. And so I was kind of back into um, kind of moving up the ladder, so to speak. And again, you know, at the time, so I was older than I was when I, when I went to Portland, but I was still, you know, youngest manager in the company at the time, and was, um, it was a lot of risk and a lot of, a lot of effort to do that. Um, enter Kirk Porter back into the picture. Um, Kirk had started a company in 2009, started his own IT company. Things went well. He said, hey, you should totally leave that safe job that you have and come uh, be a partner with me. <laughs> and if any of you have been to the mornings before and you see my eight-year-old Adrian running around, so he was just born. And so I went home and told my wife, hey, I think I'm going to quit this really great job that I have and go to work for Kirk and this company he's had for a year. Um, and I did that, which was a big risk. A few years later, we, we got acquired by Avitas Group here in town, so our company got acquired. We became the IT service that Avitas Group would sell. And about a year after that, I got asked to, uh, to manage, kind of co-manage, still manage the, the guys in that side of things, but also help manage the marketing department there. Um, I don't know anything about marketing, by the way. Um, I watched Mad Men, so I knew that. Oh, you're good. Yeah, you got it. Yeah. So I just, I brought whiskey and cigarettes to work, and I thought <laughs> I was cold. And, um, the cigarettes I had to get rid of, but the whiskey was okay, so that was good. Yeah. Um, so I did that for a, a couple of years, and, and then I got, um, got offered the position on uh, what we call the secession team, which is basically, there's four current board members in the company. I'm training under one of the one of the four to kind of take over in the next few years as uh, effectively the COO of that company. We have 400 employees right now and growing pretty fast. So, for me, capitalism it's been a very positive thing in in my life, and and it's been a positive thing in that idea of risk reward. Um, step out and take risks, and and if things go well, mm -hmm. the reward comes with it. Yeah. And and the idea that you have, not, it's not just risk reward, but you have this drive and this desire to do better, uh, to accomplish more. I mean, all, all of those job promotions, all of those different things. It was never like, nah, I'm making sixty thousand dollars a year. I'm good. You know, but there was something about sure. the opportunity yeah. to do more, and now something about the opportunity of of where you're headed to be a part of running the you know third or fourth largest company in Billings, Montana. It's a crazy, crazy story, but this this idea of capitalism, which capitalism, remember, has this belief system that we all have this insatiable drive and desire for more, and that that's a good thing because it creates uh, and fuels stories like Andrew's. Sure, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, if I were to look, if I were able to, as a 21-year-old kid, look at myself today and where I am, it'd be like, holy cow, like, you've, you've made it, great, cool, like, just cruise. Yeah. But I'd t I would tell you today that I have the same, like, I'm the same desire that looking up the escalator today that I did when I was 21. Yeah. I mean, it's that's just the truth. Yeah. So what I want to do tonight is to to hear Andrew's story, and then me try to kind of reflect back on some things, particularly from scripture. Uh, and so take a minute to do that. And then he and I are going to have kind of some, some back and forth conversation. Is this an intervention? Uh, maybe a little bit. Okay. We've all written letters. Did you guys bring your letters? Because uh, we're going to read them to you. No, just joking. So uh, what I find fascinating is that there's obviously within capitalism is this celebrated thing 
Go after more. And that is what fuels innovation. That is what fuels your life to see you in a better place today than you were 10 years ago or 20 years ago. And so we want to see everybody have this desire and this drive for more, 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 more. And somebody that isn't getting more, a lot of times within capitalism as well, they just have lost that desire and drive. So we need to give more incentives for them to try and work harder. What I find fascinating is there's actually a story within the Gospels that is, is uh, something that probably many of us have heard of before, but it's Jesus telling this parable to his followers around this concept of the end times. In other words, at the end of the world, at the end of life, when God comes back to reconcile everything and look at how we did with our lives, it's a pretty big deal within Christianity, as we can all understand. Jesus chooses to tell this story. It's in Matthew chapter 25. It says, for it'll be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He would receive the five talents, went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more, but he who had received the one talent went away and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. And after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. Jesus goes on and says, and when he had received, and he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had the two talents came forward, saying, Master, you delivered me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. The master replies. His master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has more, who has, will more be given. And he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast a worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So it's a nice bedtime story uh, that everybody ends up really happy at the end. This is the kind of story, again, probably most of us have heard of it or interacted with this story on some level. And many times within capitalism, this is a story that's actually celebrated and said, see, Jesus is actually pointing towards these ideals and saying, this is how we're to live our lives and to go about things. Go after more and more and more because God cares about that. And if you're not going after more, then there's a problem. So this is what we should all see out of our life. Capitalism. Woohoo! But here's what I see within the story. To understand what's happening, I think there's three concepts that we really have to see and perceive to to get at what Jesus is actually talking about, I believe. So these three concepts revolve around these things, gifts, purpose, and fear. Gifts, what we know from the story is that it's a master giving his possessions to his servants. So right out of the gates, it's an understood thing that the servants do not actually own or possess these things. It's actually the master's, and he's given it to them as a gift to steward and to do something with. There's this narrative within all of Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, that everything that we have been given is to be seen as a gift, that it's our money, our possessions, even our land within the Old Testament. There's a lot of conversation about that. 
the relationships around us, the breath in our lungs, this very moment that there's these continual invitations with Scripture to say, this has been a gift from day one. So breathe deep and understand that you are to steward well what you have. It is not yours to call your own. It's an invitation to see that this, all of this is an interaction with this divine God and presence that is a generous, giving kind of God. And we're to see everything within life through that kind of lens. This is a gift. On top of that, I find it fascinating and really important to note. How many times throughout history, how many times in our own life has conflict, brokenness, and war come about because of us not seeing what we have as a gift, but choosing to see what we have as ours? I deserved it. I earned it. It's mine. And when anybody takes something that's mine, our knee-jerk reaction, whether you're a three-year-old or whether you're a 30-year-old, is the same. If it's mine, I'm going to go after it and I'm going to take back what's mine. So that could be my pride, obviously money, possessions. Again, how many wars and conflicts do we have in our life because it's mine? I deserved it. I earned it. How dare you take that from me? Is there something subtle within this story? And I wouldn't even say it's bigger than subtle. Something throughout all of Scripture that happens when we learn to see what we have, as Jesus tells the story, as a gift. It's not ours. It's something to steward. Secondly, we see purpose. That obviously there's a purpose within the story. The master entrusted his servants with something to, for something to be done with it. And if it's seen as the master's stuff, then it's for the master's purposes that you choose to interact with it. In other words, if everything is already God's, Again, theologically, scripturally speaking, if everything is already God's, then it's a pretty silly equation to say, I'm going to go get more things to give to God. That doesn't make sense because it's already all God's in the first place. So it's a silly kind of life to just go after more, thinking that's what the divine or God wants out of your life. There's a purpose behind it, and that purpose is the master's. And as we talked about last week, the purpose defined within Scripture for your life and for our interaction with each other, the purpose of the divine is for us to relate and to reflect what is good, true, and beautiful. To relate and see the divine image, life, and beauty, significance in everything in and around us. And to reflect back what is good, true, and beautiful within that. And so the question becomes with our stuff, not am I just making more? But the question becomes, is there a purpose that's outside myself? Maybe you would learn to ask yourselves these kinds of questions. Next slide. How am I investing what I have into increasing my relating to and reflecting the divine in and around me? Or a question of, am I caring for my neighbor? Because that's something that's all throughout Scripture. This is a purpose of the divine. So I have this gift, my money, my possessions, my time, this moment. Am I caring for my neighbor? Am I seeing the needs of those around me? Am I living generously with what I have for their sake? These questions are far more difficult and require far much more work for our lives personally than just simply asking, do I have more money today? than I did yesterday? Do I have more stuff this year than I did last year? But the scripture would invite us to see there's a purpose behind the gift, and it's for us to invest in the work, the purpose of God, the divine. The third concept I think we need to see within this story is fear. That the problem that the master had with the, with the servant is that he was afraid. He was afraid of how the master was going to interact with him. And so it's out of fear that he does nothing and he just hides what he has. I think there's something, again, all throughout Scripture. See the, do we see what we have as a gift? Do we see a purpose behind it? 
And are we choosing to live outside of fear with it? In other words, to go for it. And to give what we have, believing that no matter how it goes, it was always a gift in the first place. And so when it comes to the fears that we can have, again, with our money, possessions, stuff, land, whatever it is, we can have these kinds of fears. A fear of losing what we have, a fear of not being cared for, a fear of not being loved, a fear of not having enough. These are real fears that we can find our lives in. And so when it comes to investing what we have into things that matter, many times we go, I don't know if I'm there yet, because we're afraid some of these things are going to come. And what the scriptures invite us to see, it was always a gift in the first place. And so if we give, if we take a risk, and it doesn't go well, well, it was never ours in the first place. And there's this generous God, divine presence that would be a part of continuing to give. So live your life outside of fear. Because that's the worst thing that you can do with your stuff. To live in fear of not having enough. So here's what I think. I believe that the scriptures say to go after more, to try and gain, to try and create is a good and beautiful thing. But we must see it within this context of gifts and purpose and fear. And we've got to bring that to it. So yes, increase your life. Go for it on that level. But to just do it and not to address these things, I think is, can be really, really broken and messy in a lot of ways. So Mr. Lindley, how would you respond to that? Wow, that's, in, that's intimidating. Is that just me? That's intimidating. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, which part? No. Um, so, yeah, starting with gifts. Yep. I, I would say um, I, I believe that that gifts, the gifts that people have are, are varied uh, wildly. I was thinking this morning, after this morning's uh, gathering, the morning gathering. I don't want to talk about that gathering. Sorry, guys. Um, anyway, I was thinking about my brother. Uh, I have a lot of brothers, but um, through marriage, but my one blood brother, true blood brother, <clears throat> and... You know, his journey compared to the one I told just a moment ago is is wildly different. We came from the exact same family and in many ways, in theory, had the same starting point in life. But just just out of, you know, in terms of gifts being not money gifts, but gifts of talents, of things that you're good at or being um, whatever that might be. He was in a, a very different spot than I was. And so, you know, he's had a rough go of it in his his life and his career. So um, I think for gifts for me, I think everybody has given wildly different gifts. And to think that anybody uh, on, the, on the planet or in the country or anywhere that you look has the same, truly the same ability to rise to the same level is just not true. Um, that, that idea of picking yourself up by your bootstraps doesn't, doesn't work for everybody because not everybody is really in that same spot. But, but I do think that wherever people are at, with whatever gifts they've been given, that idea to use that for as, as good as they can, um, and, and the outcome, which might be the best outcome of all, might not be anything monetary. It might just be an impact on the community or somebody in their lives. Or Yeah, so you would agree with there's a gift given, but there would be a difference in that where the invitation of Scripture is to say, like, 
everything you have is a gift from God. Mm-hmm. And, and even though you've, you've worked your butt off to have what you have now, you would be invited to see that as a gift. You would disagree with that on some levels to say, yes, people have gifts, but the stuff, the money and possessions, you would see that differently? Uh, somewhat. Yeah. Somewhat. I, I look, at as, look at it as the, uh, the ability to, 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 to earn the things that you had earned, that that, that ability was the gift. Yeah. That what people did with it was really, in large part, kind of up to, up to them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then that leads to this idea of purpose. Mm-hmm. You see then, okay, someone's earned what they've had the ability to earn. Is there a purpose behind it, or is it just giddy up, look what you did, celebrate, you made it, way yeah. to go? Well, uh, you know, I, guess I, I look at it as, so I, for me, I see there being a, a big difference between wealth and 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 maintaining wealth and passing down wealth compared to capitalism. Okay. That's kind of I see it. And the love, the capitalism that I love isn't necessarily that uh, just because you're wealthy doesn't mean that that I'm all for you. <laughs> There's a lot of wealthy people that I look at and I go, gosh, you are it extraordinarily broken. It doesn't mean that they're winning. It doesn't winning. mean that it's, um, for me, it's that, uh, you know, the people that, that looked at a purpose, whatever that was, went for that purpose, and in the in the midst of that, were rewarded, um, but for a purpose of, of some kind. You know, hopefully, a, uh, uh, one that impacts other people positively. So, uh, is there a purpose for you personally then behind what you have and what you've been able to gain and acquire? Um, well, I wouldn't always say so. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, for, for a lot of my life, there hadn't been much of a purpose other than I wanted more. I wanted more things, and I wanted more stuff. And um, so uh, many of you in here that know me and know my wife, Clementine, so she is uh, very different from me mm-hmm. on, on this topic. <laughs> this morning, uh, in, the, in the little door next door outside of the leather shop, mm-hmm. there was a couple of uh, people that were kind of had looked like they had slept there mm-hmm. last night. And so we came in. We came in with our kids, and... Um, it was getting close to time to everything to start. And I'm like, where in the world is Clementine? I don't know where she's at. Well, she was out there. She took them coffee and was just sitting out there chatting with them. Yeah. So if you haven't met my wife, Clementine, that is her. Yeah. Um, I, every, every day, every moment, um, your, your list of questions, you know, are you, are you doing what you can for your neighbor? Are you, I mean, that is, that is her. So yeah. for me, I've learned about the importance of purpose really through her um, more than anything else. And it's helped me to, I still have the drive, but, but to, to always keep or to, to think more about what I hadn't before, that there should be a bigger purpose. If there's a bigger purpose, I'm just as, as driven towards it, but it's a purpose that means more. Yeah. Whether it's uh, doing something that can have a positive impact on people that work for me or... Um, so what is that purpose me. for you then? Is it, is it the, like the questions of neighbor and all those kinds of things? or? Well... Because be, you talk about your wife's purpose, right? And she she's a powerful force to, <laughs> that she's going to encroach upon your purpose, whether you like it or not, right? Which is good about her. Um, but what, like, how would you define it for you? Yeah, yeah. For for me, it it um, it has changed to where it's it's less about um, you know reaching specific dollar goals, um, a certain size house, um, whatever type of car that I maybe have always dreamed of. It's less about that today than it ever has been. 
um, and where the purpose is more about, you know, what, um, are, are, are we in a space where no matter where we are at, I'm at, that I, I can do things to help other people out. Yeah. yeah. But still, I'm not going to lie, still uh, a lot of my time is consumed by thinking about what am I going to do next. Yeah. So you're someone that this story of capitalism has done really well for you. And, and you're someone that because of, because of the escalator ride, you're kind of, you're not at top at the top. Cause obviously it's a, it's a never ending escalator escalator ride. We've talked about that, but you're definitely higher than you were 10 years ago, 20 years ago. Like you, you're in a place where you're thinking about stepping off the escalator in some ways. And now you can kind of focus and turn and focus on other people. So do you see that there's any discrepancy between someone that would be on the bottom and has nothing and saying there's, there's a purpose and you should give to your neighbors and all that stuff when they don't have anything, but you're someone on the top that's communicating that to them. Is there, is there a, a tension with that for you? Is it two different things that they just need to apply themselves and get to a point so then that they can turn around and start to give to other people? Uh, yeah, there's definitely a, a tension. Um, there's more of a tension, I guess. There's less of a tension with, with me towards that than, um, I mean, I'm, I'm around because of, I, I guess, maybe the position that I'm in in business. I'm around a lot of people who love capitalism. Surprise. Yeah. Um, and, but the, a lot of people that I'm around have that mindset of if they see somebody on the corner begging for money, like it's, it's a very much a negative, like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe they're doing that, that they stoop so low, that they, um, as silly, silly as it sounds, the the gym the patent I go to yeah. is on a street where uh, it's off Central, a little street called Florine. Anybody knows that street? I do. That's um, my hood. Yeah, the, the, is it? Yeah, I'm street man. Okay. Yeah, I'm That's hard. Weird. Yeah. yeah. This is going in a weird direction tonight, but <laughs> so so if you go down that street though, there are a couple of trailer courts on that street, and I mean they are it, it's rough. Mm -hmm. I I didn't when I first started going there, I thought I didn't realize there were. I didn't realize that was here in Billings, as crazy as that sounds, but extremely rough. But I, I look at situations like that personally myself today as not as, um, you know, wow, they, they really should just apply themselves and they could get out of this. But it's more of, I mean, it's certainly empathy for um, whatever they're in um, and whatever they're dealing with is probably... Uh, multiples of times more difficult than the problems that I think I have yeah. every day. Um, and, and that it's not just, it isn't as simple as just that. So in terms of the escalator ride and the purpose, um, for me, part of the purpose isn't to get off. <laughs> I'll be honest. <laughs> I never think about getting off. Yeah. It's more about how can, uh, how can, if there is any way for me to help people get on and help them up more, that's more of what it is. Okay. So lastly, fear, this uh, concept of fear, uh, has, has that been a positive thing? Is it a positive thing that you would say, man, I don't think Jesus really knows what he's talking about? Um, or would you say that there's something there? Do you want me to answer that? I'm trying to bait you, man. I'm trying to bait you. Come on. <clears throat> um, no, Jesus is cool. He was... <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're good. Yeah, you're good. Okay. Now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> fear has had a huge impact on this journey for me. Um, it, when I really have stopped to think about it, and the, as we've gone through this process, 
I've realized um, bits of fear that I didn't even know were drivers for it. So, um, and I know the I don't know everybody here as well as I do in the morning. So I'm a third generation preacher's kid. Um, for those of you that, that don't know, um, and so I grew up preacher's kid. By the way, preachers don't usually have a lot of money. Um, so we didn't live in a lot of money. We didn't we didn't have a lot of things, and we people were giving things to us all the time. And so, for example, boxes of clothes that were probably not even um, worthy of giving to Goodwill, we would get on our doorstep, like, hey, here's for the preacher and all of his kids. And so my, my brothers and I, um, my, with including my stepbrothers, there was four of us in high school at the same time. And so we thought it was great, because we would take that, we would have fashion shows, and we'd be wearing polyester pants, and <laughs> actually some probably pretty cool stuff. If yeah, I would have kept no, it. Yeah, you guys you know, were cool. Snap yeah, shirts, yep. some really cool snap shirts. It was awesome. <laughs> um, but but anyway, one of the things in that is that uh, my my father, my grandfather, which you know, the two of them I, I knew uh, and spent so much time with in the church and around the church and, and everything else, that we didn't have a lot, but people that had a lot were really put up on a pedestal. Um, and in very subtle ways. It was, well... Uh, this person was able to give so much or, um, you know, little comments made, um, things you're probably not supposed to talk about, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, so-and-so gave me a check today. That's going to, like, save the month or whatever yeah. for the church. And so um, I didn't even have thoughts of becoming a preacher. And it wasn't until starting to work through this talk that I realized one of the big drivers for me in all of this has been, I think, trying to get to a level to become that person that my dad and my grandfather in my opinion, idolized a bit. Like yeah. I'm, an, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna be a preacher. I want to be the guy that they thought was so good yeah. um, because he he had made it and he'd had so much. So that that fear drove. And and the other part was just getting sucked into the the never ending cycle of I made more now I spend more now I need more now I got to make more and then it just keeps going and keeps going. And so that for me in terms of the purpose, it comes back to that still. Yeah. Um, uh, that has changed for me in the last few years, thankfully, because that's a that's a disaster. Yeah, <laughs> and and I'll raise my hand and say I was I was firmly on that uh, on that cycle, and and that just that definitely fueled the fear, which yeah. fueled a lot of anxiety, which has been um, a, a huge negative part of, of yeah. my life. So, fear has been a good thing in some ways because it has been part of that drive even though you've kind of now identified sure. it for the first time, it sounds like. But it's not necessarily something you would wish upon everybody, even though it's been a positive thing for you? Well, well no. Yeah, I wouldn't wish it upon anybody. And since I've, um, even in the sense of kind of getting off of the, the uh, getting out of the rat race a little bit, even uh, as I'm still trying to, to work on things and attain more, um, losing some of that stress of that piece of it has been very freeing. Yeah. So no, I would say that the the fear, um, you know, letting fear be the primary driver of all of this is a very bad thing. Um, yeah. So again, you're you're kind of at the top, and someone that's at the bottom, you would still encourage them and say, don't let fear be a driver, or would you say, no, fe- let it be a little bit of a driver. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I wish we could get rid of it altogether. I yeah. mean, I'm sure that it's always a bit of a driver. Okay. But I think to the extent people can control it. Um, yeah. and, and make choices to not add more to it, I, that's what I would say. Yeah. Try, try not to do that. Yeah. If, if you have, but, but, but again, I don't think that there's, for me, I don't, I don't think there's a, a lot of choice people have in yeah. some things. So from the very beginning of 
thinking about doing this series over a year ago, talking with Andrew, and then Ethan Canning is another one who's part of our community. Um, he's going to be here next week. We started kind of wrestling through this, because what I wanted to do is make sure it, this wasn't just, uh, well, this is what the Bible says, have a great week, um, but that we really are creating space to wrestle through this and practically kind of figure out what is this supposed to look like in our lives as individuals or as a community. And one of the things that we discovered really quickly when we started talking about this months ago was the idea of creating a black and white scenario or almost a cultish do this or else kind of thing um, gets really broken really quickly. In other words, the idea that we would show up with all the answers tonight uh, doesn't feel like what is good or healthy or true. So within that, I just want to kind of wrap it up and say the opportunity for some, or the, the, the cojones, as I would say, for somebody who's a leader within this community to sit up in front of the community and say, okay, I know that's what the Bible says, but I'm not, uh, there's some, I'm not quite sure. Have a great week. Uh, is something that is so rare and I think so beautiful, your willingness to just be honest about really wrestling through this and, and rather than just blindly going after this to be honest about what those wrestling matches are. So I just want to say thank you and thanks for your leadership and insight in this. So could you just give a round of applause for Mr. Andrew Lindy for doing that? Thank you. Thanks, Ann. So um, as we, you can set that down. So as, as we wrap up tonight, as we come to this table of bread and cup, wherever you are tonight, um, I think for me, um, where... I know that there's people on both sides. There's people uh, that would probably find themselves on Mr. Lindley's side of saying, man, this is actually a good thing, capitalism, and if we could just kind of tweak some of the bugs, it could be really good for our world and for the people around us, and, and you might be there tonight. Uh, or there might be some of you that, like, believe the Bible. And uh, I'm just joking. Uh, but, um, no, I know. That, uh, it's a dick move. I did it this morning, too, and so it felt even better this, this evening. Uh, yeah, okay. There might be some of you that are really wrestling with capitalism and saying, okay, as much as there are people that celebrate it, no. And I, I, there's something different. And maybe you might not even say that it's the way of Christ, but it's something different and, and, and you don't like it. The, what's important to note tonight is that this table is for everyone. And there's this idea of communion to say, we're here to wrestle through with this stuff. Not necessarily to agree on every fine point detail, but to continue to wrestle through it. And part of that wrestling match for you tonight might be some of these questions. If we could throw those up, Chris. I think these are important questions to ask that we've talked about. How do we view our stuff? Is it a gift? If not, I think, oh, shoot, I didn't correct the grammatical errors. If not, life gets messy quickly. A maybe question for you tonight is, do you see a greater purpose behind uh, your gift? Um, I think if we can't define it, we're just riding the escalator with no top to it. Or maybe the question would be, are there uh, any ways I'm living in fear with what I've been given? Because I think to live in fear, I believe that to live in fear is to miss it all. That this whole story of Christ is an invitation for the servant to enter into the master's joy. That there's a joy to be found, and it's found on the other side of fear, not living in it. So I invite you to kind of wrestle through, think through some of those questions possibly, but we're just going to play a song and invite you, everyone's welcome, to wrestle through this with us, to come take a piece of bread, dip it in the cup. It's Christ's body broken, his blood shed, an invitation to live life uh, in a way that matters and has purpose. So whenever you're ready, feel free to come forward. As we go tonight, um, 
would like to give what's known within Christian tradition as a benediction. In other words, words to leave this place with sending statements and ideas. And the benediction would be this. May you go and live outside of fear. That you would understand that you have something. And whether you call it a gift or not, you, or not, you have been given something. And I believe that the invitation is for us to go and risk, to go and invest, to go and bring purpose and meaning behind what we have and who we are, and to understand that in the midst of that, whatever happens, it was a gift in the first place, and there is this generous work of God to continue to give, to see your neighbor, to see the people in need around you, and to live focused there first. That's why we go. That's why we create. That's why we continue uh, to bring purpose to everything we do. I love you guys. Um, obviously, we went incredibly long tonight, so thank you for your, uh, just the willingness to talk about some of the things that we talked about earlier and then even to continue to wrestle through some of this stuff. Next week, uh, we're going to have Andrew again and then Ethan, and we're going to have uh, a conversation around some other things when it comes to capitalism. So I hope you can make it and be a part of that. If not, it'll be a podcast posted that's later. So love you guys. Have a great week. Feel free to hang out and chat uh, at the bar as well. Okay, thanks.